Hi. Hey. <laughs> this is, look at you all. This is great. Good morning. It is so good to just be back uh, gathered together as a church. You know, it has been 16 weeks since we met together on March 8th. 16 weeks. That's a, that is a really long time, and it feels really good to just see your faces again. You know, God has really sustained us uh, during this time, but it just it feels good for us to worship as a body of believers again. You know, none of us know really what the next few months were hold, but, I, you know, I think when we didn't meet on March 15th in that building, I think a lot of us thought that we were going to be back together in three weeks or in four weeks, not 16 weeks. And yet we know that whatever happens with the school district or with North Point Elementary School, we know that there is something amazing happening just a few miles to the east from here, right, where there's an amazing, beautiful building going up that we're going to meet in in just six or seven months. How crazy is that? And so we're just so thankful to the Lord uh, for that. Hey, today, as we uh, continue in uh, the book of Luke, we come to a passage in Luke chapter 17 that I think is especially challenging to the modern-day American. So today, Jesus is going to speak on servanthood and listening to authority. And I don't think we're very good at either of those as Americans, because we live in a world where we are number one, right? The vast influence of consumerism in our culture has kind of branded this into us. You expect that if you go to the store, that you're the customer, right? And so you're going to be right. You expect nowadays as an American that if you go to a restaurant and say they have a sandwich, at their restaurant, but it's not exactly how you want your sandwich. You want a little bit more mustard. You want some ham on it. You just expect, like, I can ask them to adapt their menu for me, right? Because that's what we do in our culture. And if we don't get our way, many people expect that they can threaten their way into getting their way. I remember back in uh, 2019, we, we were doing our massive Easter egg hunt right here on this uh, field. There was a woman who emailed us, and she asked if her 13-year-old could do the egg hunt. And we responded, you know, unfortunately, it's for uh, zero to 11-year-olds, so unfortunately, no. And when we replied that, she said, uh, well, then I guess I'm just going to have to give you a, a bad review on Google until you make it zero to 13. And that's just kind of the mindset of the modern-day American. We just expect that the world is going to cater to our preferences. And so on top of this, right, because we're, we're already so – into this consumerism, we're also so self-centered in our just desire for recognition, right? We all want a pat on the back from the boss. We want some sort of recognition from the, the club we serve or the sports team that we help out with. You know, many of us as children, we were used to getting a trophies. As teenagers, we got certificates, right? We got all sorts of rewards for good deeds. Now, if you combine these two things, consumerism in our culture and that we're used to getting rewarded for almost everything – you'll find that today's passage, when we open it up from the scriptures, is going to run pretty hard against our culture. As we read these four verses, you might even go, oh, that kind of made me a bit uncomfortable. Now, I, I submit to you that if they're reading this in Asia this, this morning or in Africa, they might go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But as Americans, it's a little harder for us to stomach this. So I want you to open up the Word of God. If you brought your Bible or if you brought your app, you can use that. Again, you can just go to that lovely outdoor services tab. The weekly verses are right there. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. We are now at verse 7. And Jesus is continuing to teach his disciples on what it means to be a disciple. So Luke chapter 17, uh, verses 7 through 10. So just four verses this morning. Jesus says, Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, 
Get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, as a disciple, as a servant of Jesus, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Okay. So Jesus is teaching us that we are, in a sense, unworthy or undeserving servants. Now let me ask you, when you think about your relationship to Jesus, how often do you think of yourself as an unworthy servant? Now certainly this passage is not all-encompassing on who we are as disciples, but it is an important aspect of it. We are servants of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at four attitudes that servants of Jesus must have. Uh, If you want to take notes and write down these four things or anything else, you can actually do that uh, with a pen and a paper. This is this amazing new invention. Or if you'd like, you can do it in our app as well. You just go over to the messages tab, and there's a little button that says take a note. It takes kind of a second to set up the first time, but it actually saves it with a message. Uh, it's really uh, a quite nifty. So if you're taking notes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over four attitudes of a servant, of a Christian servant from this passage. And, and here's the first one. Servants remember that they were in debt to God. Servants remember that they were in debt to God. You know, one of the difficulties of, of reading this passage is we can't help but sort of read our own cultural history into it. And so, sorry, forgive me why I don't lose any of my papers in the wind here. Um, when, we, when we read the passage, it's hard for us to not think about uh, our past of American slavery, right? And so when you, you hear the master say, Hey, you know what? First, would you make my supper? We sort of, we have that sort of picture in the background of our minds. But what Jesus refer, is referring to here is not slavery. This is long before American version of slavery. This is indentured servitude. See, in those days, when you didn't pay back someone that you owed, you didn't just get to declare bankruptcy and call it over, right? In order to pay back your debt, you had to become an indentured servant. You had to work for the person that you owed for six months or a year or two years, however long it took to pay back your debt. Now, they didn't own you. You weren't a slave, but they were your boss. And it was something that you could do to pay someone back if you didn't have the money to do so. And it was really your only logical option. If you said, no, I don't want to work at your farm or I don't want to work in your house, Your only other option was to be sent to prison in those days. And so the indentured servant in Jesus' scenario isn't looking for the other person to thank them after they come in from plowing the fields. No, they're in debt to that person. They were supposed to pay them money, and they didn't. And so now they're working off that debt. And so the servant isn't looking for a pat on the back just simply because they plowed the field or because they got dinner ready. They're just thankful that they can pay back their debt without going to jail. Does that make sense? Okay, now think about your life. We, as Christians, were in enormous debt to God. We committed so many sins that our sin was just piling up. The difference was here, there's no way that we could pay it back. It's impossible to pay back God back. You can't earn your way to him. You can't work off your debt by being good. The only way to be forgiven is to let Jesus Christ pay your debt by believing in him, by believing that he died on the cross for your sins. And see, when you as a Christian begin to grasp how really in debt you were to Jesus, and you realize you can never pay him back, and yet, out of love, he died on the cross for you. 
When you realize that, you'll want to serve him. And you won't be looking for thanks for doing so because it is gratitude that gives you the attitude of a servant. It's the gratitude for what he did that gives you the right attitude to be his servant. And I want you to remember that as we keep going. So let's, let's take a look at the uh, next version or the next attitude that you'll need as a Christian servant. I promise I'll figure this out by week two. Maybe by second service. Okay. So here's the second one. Uh, servants know that God owes them nothing. The servants know that God owes them nothing. Now, it's, it's, it's a lot like the first one, but it's nuanced. It's slightly different. Okay, so if you were in an insurmountable debt to God, which you were in a sense, even one sin would be insurmountable, and yet God paid for all of your sins, let me ask you a question. Does God owe you anything? Does God owe you anything else in your life? But what if you're like a really good person? And you become a really good person and you're, you're always going to church and you're tithing and you're serving. Does God owe you something for that in your life? No. The great Charles Spurgeon once said it this way. He said, what have we done for God compared with what he has done for us? He says, our service put beside Christ's service for us is like a single grain of dust in comparison with the mighty orb of the sun. Or think of it this way. What if you owed someone $100 million? And they very generously said, you know what? I'll forgive your debt. I'll just pay it off. You don't need to pay me. And then three years later, you washed their car. Would you, would you expect them to throw you a party in thanks? Right? That's what we're talking about here. And that's why Jesus said, as you're serving your family, as you're serving your church, as you're serving your neighborhood, you should say, we're unworthy. We're undeserving servants. We've only done our duty. And really, we've got to think through the gospel here when we think about this second attitude. Otherwise, this is going to be difficult for you as a Christian. I mean, how many of you have gotten mad at God because your life isn't going the way that you want it to? Right? Like, you had plans for your life. You had plans for who you were going to marry. You had plans for maybe your family. You had plans for what you were going to do for your career. And honestly, life hasn't gone completely how you thought it would. And deep down inside, if you were honest, perhaps you're mad at God for it. And maybe you even say to God, Lord, I don't get it because I've been a good person. And I go to church and I read the Bible. Why isn't this working out for me? Okay, well, what's the assumption that's underneath that sort of thinking? Well, it's a false assumption that God owes you a good life. But God doesn't owe you anything. I mean, where do you find in the Bible that God owes you something? Do you know why Dave Ramsey loves God so much, by the way? It's because God's never been in debt to anyone. Just, you just think about that for a while. In fact, when you realize, when you realize that you are a servant, right, you're not someone special that God owes recognition, right, or reward to. When you realize, I'm just a servant, it's actually going to make you a lot happier in life. My friend, I just encourage you, go back to the word of God, not the culture. The only thing that God owes us is to be thrown into an eternal prison. And yet in his love, he was willing to pay off all of your debt, Pay for all. I mean, it's incredible, right? I'm, I'm just happy to be a servant in the house of God. 
right? I don't need recognition or praise for anything else. This this really I think goes back to the gratitude piece too. Like if you're if you're greedy and you're always looking for God to just bless more of your life and do more in your life, you're going to be miserable and you're going to be unable to be a servant. Remember, it's gratitude that gives you the attitude of a servant. And I think it's going to be easier for you to be a servant in the house of God if you've got this third attitude. So here's the third attitude. Servants serve for God's glory, not their own. So number three, servants serve for God's glory, not their own. Now think about this. The servant, he's out in the field, just plowing all day. This is incredibly hard work. And when he comes in after a hard day's work, he's tired. He's hungry, right? And the person that he's paying back the debt to says, you know what? Hey, before you eat, I'm going to also need you uh, to get my supper ready. Now, as Americans, we just bristle against that. We're like, I don't like, I don't, I don't like when that guy said that. Because this guy worked hard and he deserves his own supper. Like, why do we feel that when we read this passage? It's because in our culture, we were taught to live first for our own happiness, right? In our own glory, not the master's. This is why I think it's so hard for us to live for God's glory and not for our own. We're so used to living for our own glory. See, if your aim, if your attitude of life is focused on living for God's glory and not your own, then you're not going to be frustrated, frustrated by being a servant of his. Let me ask you this question. You ever feel frustrated when people don't recognize you for something you didn't do? Right? You did something, they never sent you a thank you card. You gave them a gift for a wedding, they never even sent you a thank you card. Or you don't get, you do something amazing at work, and maybe you did great with a new project, and no one ever even acknowledges it. They don't say thank you. Right? No one called to wish you a happy Father's Day and tell you what a great dad you are. Like, what bugs us about that? For most of us, we just want, we want our glory. We want to feel important. We want to be recognized. We want that rush of pride. But that's not your call in the kingdom of God. We're to humble ourselves, right? So instead of saying, how come no one ever thanks me for doing the laundry, for mowing the lawn, for cooking dinner, instead of saying, you know what, I've been, I've been teaching in renovation kids for five years, or I've been, I've been on the greeting team for, seven years and no one's ever sent me a card or no one's thanking me no one's calling me out on stage of all for all the great things that i've done instead of talking like that we should be saying you know what i'm completely undeserving to even be the lowliest of servants in the kingdom of god and yet i get to be right this is this is here's the gospel we should be completely flabbergasted that we're in the kingdom of God in the first place, not frustrated that we're not getting more recognition. You know what I'm saying? Let me just say that again. We should be completely flabbergasted that we even get to be in the kingdom of God in the first place, not frustrated that we're not getting more recognition. And that just comes back to gratitude is the attitude that you need if you're going to be a servant. Think of it this way. I want you to think of somebody famous that you admire. Go ahead, try and think of somebody in your head. Maybe it's a, a musician or an actor or an athlete, somebody famous that you admire. Everybody got somebody? Let's do this. Give me, just give me somebody. Shout somebody out, somebody famous that you admire. I, I, I can't hear you. 
Will somebody say something normal? Okay, let's go LeBron James. All right. Now, let's say you admire LeBron James, right? But let's say before you admired LeBron James, you did all sorts of mean things to LeBron, right? You burned your Cavs jersey. You burned your Lakers jersey. You maligned LeBron on Twitter. You found LeBron's house. You keyed LeBron's car. You spray-painted graffiti on all the LeBron stuff, right? And let's say, miraculously, while you're spray-painting his house, you meet LeBron James. And LeBron James forgives you. And not only that, let's say LeBron finds out that you are out of work. You don't have a job. And LeBron says, I see what you did to my car. I see what you did to my house. I see what you said about me. But I want you to know I forgive you. And not only that, you can have a job in my household. You can work for me. I'll give you a job and I'll pay you well. And let's say because of his kindness, you begin to admire LeBron, right? Now, if this was the case, if this was your story, let me ask you a question. Would you walk around LeBron's house as you're sort of dusting off his trophies, right? Instead of cleaning his kitchen. Would you walk around saying, hey, LeBron... You haven't thanked me in a while. LeBron, I haven't seen you uh, recognizing me in front of everyone else. LeBron, I haven't seen you working hard to make my life better. Would you say that? No, of course not, right? You would have so much gratitude for his grace, for his mercy, for his forgiveness, that your attitude would be focused more on making his life better than your own. You would be living for their glory, not your own. Now, if this passage was the only one that we had in the Bible about what it means to be a disciple, some of us might feel like, okay, this is kind of hard. Like, this is a hard word. But, of course, it's not all we have. And it's an important facet, but it's not everything. So I just want to touch really briefly on this last point of the fourth attitude of a Christian servant. And the fourth one is this. Servants know that they are also God's children. We can't forget this. It's like, yes, all of those first points are true. Like, we... We, we are in debt to God, ab- absolutely, right? Yes, we, we, God doesn't owe us anything. Yes, we should live for God's glory, not, not our own. But despite all of our shortcomings, right, all of our sin, God still loves you enough to call you a son. God still loves you enough to call you a daughter, right? And so I want you to think about this. When you think about serving the master, right, you've had a really long day of work and you know you got to go out and you're going to maybe help us with something on the church building. You're going to help serve at your church. Or you're going you're gonna, to uh, serve your family after a really long, hard day. I want you to remember that the master that you're serving is not some grouchy, old, mean boss. The master is your father in heaven who loves you so much that he calls you his son. He loves you so much that he calls you his daughter. He loves you so much that he gave his own son's life for you. And here's the thing from the word of God. When your life is over, he will look at you and he will say, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And then when it's all over, we will eat and we will feast, not after the master. We will feast with the master together for all of time. And so when you serve, serve with an attitude of gratitude for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. Amen? All right, let me pray. Lord, uh, we, we thank you that we can just be out here uh, today.
serving, worshiping, loving you, being together as a church body. Lord, we're just so grateful for that. Jesus, we just ask for some humility as we think about applying this passage this week. God, it's so easy for us to be focused on ourselves and our own glory and our own lives and our own pursuits. Jesus, may we live for your glory again. And may we just have an attitude of gratitude, God, that you would even let us be a lowly servant in your kingdom. We're just so grateful that we love you. And we just want to tell you now, Father, that you, you're not just our master. You're our father. You are a good father. And we just want to praise you for that. It's your name we pray. Amen.